I'm Aaron. And I'm Bonnie. And welcome to Be The One. Remember, you can be the one who says that love heals. And today we have a fantastic guest. Another moment of serendipity for you, Vani. I don't even know how many you've had by now, but it sure seems like you are blessed with serendipity. Would you like to introduce our, our guest today? You know, it's really quite amazing how many serendipitous moments that I've had. And it just brought me to so many wonderful people. And one of the wonderful people, persons that it has brought me to is Dr. Beth DeRose, child psychiatrist at Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. So welcome, Beth. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, there's so many places I could start with Beth because, you know, the serendipitous moment was several years ago and we met through just an interesting situation that is a whole nother story in itself. But three months after I had met Beth and I had just started my nonprofit organization, I Understand, and I was at that time giving out free t-shirts that say, I Understand Love Heals on them. And Beth reached out to me as chief pediatric behavioral health at the hospital and said, we need to do something. So Beth, what was it about that first meeting and three months later, you reaching out and wanting to partner with I Understand? You know, I think, I I think, Vani, you just have an energy about you. And, you know, I think serendipitous moments happen for all of us when we're on the right path. And the, you know, when I met you, I, I think there was an energy about you and you talked about your story and your vision and, you know, how you felt about, about mental health at that time. And I, it just resonated with me and what I was trying to do at the children's hospital. And so I always, you know, I'm always thinking, I always have ideas in my mind about, you know, what can be better, what can be next. And I think you're the same way. And so, you know, I, I think I just, it just kind of happened. Yeah, it was just amazing to get that phone call when you are new at this nonprofit world and really trying to make a difference and change the conversation and to have someone of Beth's caliber recognize that truly meant so much. But we fast forward to what has happened today. And, you know, I understand originally started providing care packages for those that were in the hospital after mental health crisis. But Beth wanted to take that one step further. And she says, can we raise funds and can we create an I understand nurse, which would be the first in the country specializing in mental health in a traditional hospital setting. So tell us why that nurse was so important to you. When I came to the Children's Hospital five or six years ago, just the level of crisis that that people were in was just striking. The Children's Hospital itself was not necessarily set up to care for those patients. It was doing the best, you know, we were doing the best we could. um, But there's always, you know, additional training that can be helpful and, you know, additional strategies to take care of patients. And so having having someone who could be a leader in that arena and the nurse as a nurse and in the nursing arena and education arena was very important to me. So I think it was just an absolutely fantastic add to be able to to make change in the mental health arena at the Children's Hospital here. So can you tell us what the I Understand Nurse was brought in to do? The I Understand Nurse is a clinical nurse specialist. So she uh, she has, it's Ashley Kearns at the Children's Hospital. She has additional training in education of nurses in general and just how to roll out 
big projects, for example, in a large setting. And so, you know, one of the things that we were able to do is roll out suicide screening within the children's hospital throughout the inpatient floors and the emergency room, which we could not have done without her help. And then all of the education that she did with nursing staff so that we could care for patients better and identify patients who are struggling with mental health conditions. Because we know that many patients who are have chronic illness, have, you know, even acute illness can, can struggle with depression and anxiety and mental health concerns. And we wanted to make sure we recognize that and could care for them holistically. Yeah, I just, that just really meant so much is recognizing that need that you don't necessarily have to have a mental health illness to have suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's even more true for for kids, we have such a strict criteria for uh, identifying who has major depression or who has an anxiety disorder, and and not everyone fix, fits into a box. Um, and I think that's an important point, you know, that some some kids can go through a particularly overwhelming situation, and um, kids are more likely to act impulsively. So. Well, and they haven't developed coping mechanisms. You know, so much that's happening in our our world right now, especially with with COVID and having to be at home and isolation and masks and all of these changes are are definitely adding to the crisis of mental health. How do we recognize the signs and the symptoms that these young kids are facing? Because oftentimes parent thinks, oh, my child just being defiant, they're lazy, Mm -hmm. and they call them all of these things that are really hidden behind depression. I think that goes to education and and stigma, probably, you know, where people see depression as something different than an illness that needs to be treated. And, and that's hard. I mean, that's hard to make change on, but we can, you know, continue to, to work on it. And I think that it's important just to, you know, look for your resources in your community. We've got a lot of different resources in Grand Rapids. Um, I mean, the Children's Hospital is one of those resources. But I think that it's important to realize it's an illness and and that it can be treated. I'm really glad that you said that because that's one of the things that we're trying to change is, is you know, that definition of suicide from um, intentionally killing yourself to a side effect of an illness, but we've added pain to that because I'm sure as you, you know, doing a lot of teletherapy now, um, you're talking with parents or children that, that may not be diagnosed with a mental health illness, but they could be experiencing some type of pain and what it is, where's that pain coming from? Bullying, Mm -hmm. um, financial devastation. Maybe their parents are going through a divorce, all of these things that add to, a child's mm-hmm. crisis mode. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing more of that? Yeah, I think even with the the loss of structure that kids have had and the support of school with loss of, of just social connection, um, you know, connection as human beings is so important for us and especially for adolescents. Uh, and, and that's the, the one of the main groups I see really struggling or, or it's the adolescent population. It's sad to see. It's a different time we're living in with COVID now. And, on, you know, we know that online social connection is not the same. It's not the same as in person. And a lot of adolescents, you know, use online social communication. And there's some studies out there that show that if you have higher rates of social use, like online use, um, that you actually may be more at risk for depression. So I think that's important to note. Yeah, I think that's a a huge topic these days. I've read up a little bit of research as well, and it's just, it's not, 
it's not a glowing review on what social media actually does for, for adolescents. What would you recommend that adolescents do? Do you have any ideas? I know it's, it's, it's kind of putting on the spot because you're like, oh, yeah. COVID and separating and, and social is not necessarily the best thing. But do you have any tips, tricks, ideas on how to mitigate that social loneliness that adolescents might be feeling right now? I think that it there's a balance. You know, I mean, we know that there there is enjoyment with online social media and things that you can do. And and but there's a balance to health with it. And so, um you know, in terms of, of COVID, it, I think it's dependent on COVID risk for that person and a lot of different things. You know, I think there are ways that you can do Zoom meetings, you can do get togethers and have planned events that are, are COVID safe, where there's a little bit more interaction, you know, than just typing and going back and forth online. I think I'm going to start in advocating bringing back the landline so that we can sit on our bed and just kick our feet and, and chat. Because, you know, that, that type of social interaction mm-hmm. just feels like it was very different and more personal than, you know, a, a Zoom meeting or a social media video. I think that's a good point. I mean, I think that so many kids just text. It's just texting. I say, oh, do you right. talk to your friends? Well, no, I text. Yeah, and then you miss out <laughs> on all that tone. And you miss out, you miss mm-hmm. out on, on how somebody is saying it. And that's mm-hmm. 75% of communication right there. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just need to bring back the good old phone call. Right. People, the, the kids don't even come to doors anymore. They like text from the car. I, mean, I remember having the phone on the wall, but it was in the kitchen. You know, right. we had one phone and it's in the kitchen and you had to have your conversation with every right. everybody my, in your family. So that might be a good a good comeback. Right. Is we, we have to our parents can hear what what the kids are are saying. Right. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure how well adolescents <laughs> would like that. <laughs> that, would be, that would be tough. So Beth, being um, doing a lot of teletherapy right now, um, how is that working out? Are you finding that the the parents, the kids, is it are they responding well? Do they need more? It's also difficult for some kids. Uh, you know, I, I see a wide range of children, so it depends on the kid. You know, some kids it's hard to engage them in that mode. Um, but I mean, overall, I think it's what we have. It's a safe way to do it. And, you know, it's better than nothing. I think there's been some positives to it, too, where, you know, you can reach people that you couldn't reach before or people who are used to have to drive down three hours in the winter snow and where they can just log on at home. There's a convenience factor to it. I think that technology is kind of coming up to par and it's kind of pushed forward, you know, the the need to do that for different systems. And it's been a good thing in certain ways. But then in others, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to have a face-to-face conversation when you're talking about really emotional topics. What are you finding the greatest need in your role as a child psychiatrist today? I do think that there's a lot of issues with the social connection piece and just the coping skills that you talked about earlier. And, and it's not something that schools teach very well either. And so uh, I think that there's that loss of community and connection where we used to have that support system that was available. And, you know, I think figuring that out again is important, but I, I think that's a big Big issue. Where, where's the place that somebody could go to maybe find some information on coping mechanisms, coping strategies for their kids if they realize that, ooh, something, they are acting withdrawn, they are, are acting differently? ACAP.org is a good one for, for child and adolescent 
uh, information. It's our national child psych organization, and you can get some good information there. And, you know, I think that it's important for every everybody to know the suicide hotline, for example, because I definitely have had kids that, that will reach out there. And, you know, there's a texting option with that too, which is nice for adolescents. But, you know, I think, I think, and I think there's a lot of new resources online as well. You know, I think there are different mindfulness apps and, and, meditation type stuff that that kids can get engaged in um, we have a great center here in Grand Rapids the Grand Rapids Mindfulness Center um, where they have a teens just breathe group and you can do some online you know mindfulness groups through them so I think there's there's resources out there you just have to kind of search for them so a question that I have is you know especially for the youth you know, the suicide rate continues to increase, as we said, and second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 18 and actually 10 to 34. How does a parent tell the difference or know the difference from someone who is being defiant or, and, or lazy to someone that's really, to a child that's really struggling? One of the most important things is just to not negate what your kid is saying. It's hard. It is hard, especially for kids who have a cycle of, you know, expressing distress that way and you know I always tell parents too that what they're expressing is communication they're trying to communicate to you no matter what that they're not doing well so whether it's you know for they're actually really contemplating suicide or whether they're just not doing well they still need help either way so I think you know recognizing that and engaging them in the services is important I think that goes back to to being the one the name of this podcast, as the parent, you are so often the one that your child needs to reach out to, the one you know they have that attachment to. It's important to realize that, yes, your life is going on, but as an adult, you have those capabilities to separate and hopefully have some of those coping mechanisms built in that your child might not have. So you really need to be the one that is able to, to stop and listen and put your problems aside for a moment because your child needs you. Yeah, and I think that when you talk about the signs and the symptoms they re- for, for depression and anxiety, they really are the same for adults. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it all comes down to, you know, are these thoughts and these feelings or the sadness going on for more than two weeks? Are, am I agitated? Am I irritable? Am I angry? Am I not eating? Am I, you know, all of those things that we may do as adults are the same thing that children are facing, correct, Beth? Yeah, I I think that in most cases, that's true. And I think there's a little bit of flux with kids because, you know, they have different settings. And so they have different social pressures. And so it is like as a parent, you can see that. But in a social setting, they may put on a face and they can tell you some kids can tell you, oh, I'm putting on a face, you know, like I'm getting through mm-hmm. smiling, getting through my day. It's important not to just take that at face value either. Um, and then I think the other thing just about that I was thinking about with parents is, you know, I think one of the most important things that you can do is just be present with your child and listen to them. You know, let them talk. And and I think it's it's easy just to, you know, have a kid who's, you know, hanging out in their bedroom on their computer all the time. And it's easy just to kind of let them do that because they seem to be okay doing that. 
but you know, I think as a parent, it's important to push and make sure that they are engaging and, and that you are present with them and having quality time with them, even as an adolescent. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of goes back to kind of what we say at I understand, you know, I mean, love heals, right? I mean, when you show mm-hmm. your child love and understanding, you get a much different result than when you have judgment and angst and anger with them. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a, a really good point to remember. So let's just talk about treatment options. So same for adults and children. I mean, we're seeing teletherapy, we're seeing medication. What's happening with children and depression treatment? It depends on the severity. So it depends on the severity of the depression. So if you have mild depression, definitely just just therapy can be enough. And going to a good therapist, doing some good CBT work or cognitive behavioral therapy um, has been shown to have great effects. If you have a more moderate or severe depression, then yes, you might need to add medication to that. The thing about medication is, you know, it can be very helpful for most people, but not everyone. And so that's important to recognize, too. As we are wrapping up, if you could have one thing that you could that that you could pass on that we could tell to our child or that we could do for our our children that are struggling and suffering, what would that be? Again, I would say I would go back to just being present with them and listen to what they what they need, having those important heart to heart discussions being available. It's hard as a parent to see your kids suffering. And, you know, I think it's important to also take care of your own mental health. So I think that's another important topic is that, you know, we know that often children who are depressed or anxious, um, you know, that can be genetically related. And so their parents may be struggling. And so it's important, you know, it's the same, the same line with the airlines, you know, you put your oxygen mask on first. And so make sure that you are um, taking care of your own mental health so that you can offer as much support as possible to your child. And again, just being open-minded, being present, listening, advocating, getting them the care they need. And again, like what you were talking about, uh, Bonnie, just being non-judgmental, non-critical so that you're not going to make make them defensive. I love the put your oxygen mask on first, right? Because we as parents and older adults have to take care of ourselves first. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to help our children or recognize what what they need. So I really, really love that. So thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you you and your expertise. And I really go back to, you know, meeting you six years ago and, and, and you being a part of the beginning of the wonderful partnership that we have with Helen DeVos Children's Hospital. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you or someone you know is struggling, help is available 24-7, 1-800-273-TALK or text HOME to 741-741. Thank you again, Beth. I'm Aaron. And I'm Vani. And remember, please be the one who says that I understand love heals. Make a dirty-